Welcome to The Shift, where I'm here to help you adjust to the new. I'm your host, Jay Camille. As we carry on with our first season, I wanted to continue setting the scene for the young American dream. You know, the idea that we see on TV of leaving home to a new city, a new country, establishing a new community, going off to a new college, and sometimes like starting a new career. All of it includes living the quote unquote dream. Well, we are finally going to get to the shift that comes with starting a new career. However, this is not in a traditional way. Joining us today, we have my very dear friend, one I've known since high school. We have Damage Controlman First Class, Surface Warfare 2, or as I call him, Kevin, as we discuss the shift that comes with starting a new career right out of high school. I graduated high school in 2014, and I decided that college wasn't meant for what I wanted to do at that very moment. So instead of going to college right off the bat, I decided to just join the military, explore, save up money, see the world a little bit, you know, do what the bachelor life is or however you want to call it at the time. So when I joined, it was 2014 still. I finally finished boot camp and all that and actually went out to a ship in 2015. That's when your time period actually starts for being on, sh on sea tour. That's for the Navy at least. For anyone that's going into other branches, that it could be considered any other way, but there's always going to be a start date and an end date for everyone. So when I started my career, I went to USS Bunker Hill, didn't know what I was expecting didn't know who I was going to meet, who was going to guide me, who was going to be there for me, leaving family behind, leaving friends behind, the people that you always thought were going to be there to support you. It's a little rough, but whenever I started, it became a motivation at some point to finish and do better. And that's where I ended up getting my surface warfare qualification for being in the Navy. It's a it's a pride to do because when you do that, you put yourself in a situation where other people prior to you have actually done it and made it where that ship felt like a home to them. And that's what I made for me when I meant for me when I did it for myself. Now it's 2020. I've transferred from the sea life to shore life. I'm currently in Japan. Uh, I'm stationed in Atsugi uh, Air Force Base, Naval Air Force Base over here. I really couldn't tell you very much about it, but work and lifestyles are going to be a little bit different between the two. Just like any other person that's in any military branch, deployment life, any type of life outside of being out of a home comfort is going to be different. But other than that, that's pretty much pretty well my well-adjusted life so far man Kevin I just wanted to like hone in on that because I don't know if our listeners are really paying attention to what he just said like you are in Japan right now I am in the states uh central standard time Texas and it's wild like it's what 8 30 in the morning my time and probably nighttime where you're at yes it's about 10 30 p.m my time now Oh my gosh, that's so wild. But like technology, thank heavens for it. Um, man, so Kevin, like listening to you, because you've just grown like so much since like 
high school and the Kevin that I know. And that's amazing. Like we're supposed to grow, but like, what was your driving force for choosing this career, especially like right out of high school? I know you mentioned, you know, you weren't ready to go to college just yet, but even still, I remember then you were so like dead set. Like you were like, no, I'm not, I'm not going here to school. I'm not doing this other route. Like other people are doing like, you were like, this is what I'm going to do. And you stuck to it. Like what, what gave you that drive to, to just go for, go for Navy? One of the biggest things that drove me was probably one of the mentors that I met during the uh, introduction of the Navy life. He was a recruiter in uh, Lawn, Oklahoma. His name was Soto. Him and Raymond both came to my high school, which was Eisenhower High School at the time. They came and pursued me. Well, they didn't pursue me per se, but they pursued a lot of students to actively keep an open mind about joining the military, about being financially set, about exploring and everything like that. And don't, don't get me wrong. I've gotten to just uh, explore about 12 different areas, 12 different countries, basically. And from there, it's just going to get bigger and bigger as soon as I get out of Japan. I don't plan where I'm going. I just go where it takes me at this point. And I don't, I'm never upset about it. But when I was going through high school, I decided that I would give the Navy a try because of them. But during my process of actually getting into the Navy, it took a while. It took about three tries. On my third and final try, I actually, it, I gave it a big option. I said to myself, if I don't get in this time, if I don't sign my paper saying I'm actually going to process and get into the Navy, if I don't actually ship off or have a ship off date, then I'm going to jump off and I'm going to go to college. I had options. I didn't close myself off. I made sure that I had scholarships lined up. I saw colleges willing to accept me. I had acceptance letters in hand. I had everything going. I wasn't just going to go one way or the other. It was going to be either go to the Navy or if it doesn't work out this last time, because three tries is pretty, it's a pretty good chunk of time to try to sign up for the Navy. So if it didn't work out, then it didn't work out. And I know everything works out for a reason at this point in my life. My luck isn't always the best, but it gives me more than plenty of options to go down later on if I think about it. So with that being the case, that third try, it finally worked out. I signed up. I actually have name on paper and everything on uh, everything in the green, ready to go. They gave me a date. From that point on, I was able to just sign up and go. Man, that's like true persistence right there. And honestly, like you really held your face while, while doing it because on the other side, I mean, here we were still hanging out, going to your senior year prom and all the different events going on. And I didn't even know that. Like, that's amazing, awesome persistence. Uh, I'm really proud of you for it. So just with that mindset of like preparation, what kind of tests and preparation did you have to do to accomplish to, to get into this career that you stepped into? And I mean, by preparation, of course, I know like there's like physical preparation. Everyone always talks about boot camp, um, but also like mentally, like I know you mentioned earlier, you had to brace yourself because here you were about to leave your family, 
your friends like and you're just so for preparation wise yes I did through uh, I did go through physical mental and everything like that for starters when I first figured that I was going to join the Navy I decided that I needed to get physical shape for me to do that, I decided to start running about a mile and a half every day or every other day or keep it consistent wise. Push-ups, sit-ups, those are pretty simple, but I started also getting into calisthenics around that time to get better at it. And that's when I started doing a lot more pull-ups too, just to like prepare. You never know. Any type of physical activity that I was always, I was trying to do whenever I could. And I had a, I had a best friend he always pushed me also. His name was Mitchell. He always pushed me. He'd be like, hey, well, you can go run. I'll just ride my motorcycle right next to you. It'd feel like the same, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And if you saw Yeah, down, totally oh. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy that never wanted to exercise. He's skinny as a twig. He didn't need to. He absolutely didn't need to. He, had, he would actually have to eat more just to put on some weight. So he was lucky one. But this guy, he would run, ride his bike down the street, honk at me, making me sound, making me feel like a fool running while he's riding behind me, chasing me at this point. But that was one of the challenges that I said right there. Mentally, it was a lot more, when I was growing up, I didn't have much of like a good family, like community type thing that like kept my attention and like had me shelter all the time. I was always willing to go and leave and do stuff. And that's how I became my independent person. I had my first job when I was right out of middle school when I was 10, 16 already. That's when I started getting my driver's license and everything like that. Just all, all at one time, I was able to just keep going. So when it came down to me being about 18, 19 already about to leave, it became more of a, oh crap, am I really about to do this? Because at that point, I didn't know where I'd be stationed. I didn't know where I end up, who I end up meeting, and all that stuff. So it just became like, oh crap! Well, I'm already, I'm already signed. I can't leave. I can't bail out now. So I just kept pushing. When I went to boot camp, I met these exact same people. They had the same mindset as me. They, they left actual spouses, kids. They were older than me. Some were younger than me, which is crazy. And with all that being the case, we are all in this together. And this is, this is a big group. We're, we're going through this together. So it became more of a, we got to handle this in-house, make sure we work as a team type thing than anything else. So mentally wise, it's a lot to go through. But when you actually go through the process of it, it becomes better and better each day because you know at the end of the tunnel, you'll see the light. And that's how we felt whenever we walked through our graduation that time. For studying-wise, there's a lot of things you can study. You can hop on the internet today and just Google whatever you're trying to go for. If you're trying to, if you're Googling for something, then you're going to find something. But for me, I Google what should I study for boot camp? The most generic, vague thing to Google, and it gave me absolutely nothing to go off of. It gave me a video on YouTube today that actually came out after I went to boot camp. I've watched it. It tells you the, the similarities of what you should expect, what you shouldn't expect, and everything like that. It came out a little bit too late for me, but I've seen multiple 
Army has one, Navy has one. I don't think Air Force has one yet, but there's some that are just out there already. And with all that being the case, it told me to study my general orders, my sailor's creed, stuff like that, and just a generic history of the Navy. Like, when is the Navy's birthday? When did the, uh, when did some of the wars happen? How did some of these ships get destroyed, et cetera, et cetera? You're never going to really know anything until you actually Google it. So whenever I was doing all that, I was learning history more than anything else. It was not even, it wasn't even like a mandatory study. It would be, it became more of a fun fact type of thing for me. You will never actually realize how much history has gone by until you actually look something up. And then when you actually read into it, it becomes more fascinating because you actually get pulled into it a little bit at a time. So that's how it get, became more of a lifestyle for me than anything else at this point. I really wanted to hone in on where you were talking about having a team because that sounded like that really helped you get through those difficult times. Um, and I know that there's a scripture, and I can say this with you because I know that you're um, a believer as well but there's a scripture in Amos that talks about pretty much that two people can't walk together if they aren't walking in the same direction and it's like so you and your team you guys all realize we're walking in the same direction yeah you may have left different things at home some people may have left a wife and kids you may have just left your parents but it's like we're all going after the same goal the same thing the same drive so it's like how can we help each other get there and get there and co conquer this finish line all together. Um, so that's awesome that you had a team to like help you get through it and, um, and just help you push through boot camp and those hard times mentally and physically. So going off of the mental challenges, just in general, did you have any fears about making this shift? What were they and how have you seen those play out or not play out since you've started this career? Some of my fears whenever I was going, you said go to the ship, right? No, just any fears in general. Okay. So some of my fears, I guess I went through was, one was I was anxious and nervous about boot camp. That was something like a little bump in the road type of thing. Eight weeks long, between eight and 13 weeks long, depending on where you go, how you do it. And so that was a little bump in the road. I was a little afraid about that because you're sharing a room with so many people already. Uh, with that being the case, the next fear was when I got to the ship because when I was first told that I'm going to a ship, it was already on deployment. So I had to like figure out what do I need? What do I need to bring? Will I actually, should I bring some snacks? Should I bring some extra clothes? I don't even know. So when I went to my first ship, I had no regular clothes, really, because all I had was my uniforms. I just came from A school, which is an advanced schooling for what I was taught as a damage controlman. So when I went to the ship, I really had no regular clothes, what we call civvies. So with that being the case, when we went out onto a port visit, which were like Bahrain, Dubai at the time, I had really no good clothes to wear out. And these are fancy cities. You know Dubai. Dubai has the richest mall. Like, it has the biggest mall. Something I would never experience if I'd never gone on that appointment. And stuff like that. So 
a lot of it was just fear of doing something or fear of going somewhere until I actually went and realized it's no different than any other place. And the biggest thing about it is you just need to learn their culture because you don't want to go to someone's house and disrespect someone else. So when you go to these foreign countries, don't go there with the mindset, I'm going to just do what I normally do. Because what you do at your house is different from other people doing at their house. So just keep an open mind when you go there. Man, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you went. Like, even when you mentioned earlier going to 12 different countries, I'm like, dang, like, I haven't done any of that. I've gone to a few countries, some islands, but definitely not 12. Because I'm just curious, you know, I know about servicemen because we both grew up in a military town, but I'm not truly in your shoes. So tell us about the pace of your like average workday, whether that's on the ship or onshore. Um, like, tell us, tell us about that, how that goes. All right, so I can only speak for the Navy on this one, but for the Navy, you're gonna have several different like platforms to go off of. One is deployment life. Deployment life is really, on the go nonstop type of thing you're gonna wake up around like around seven o'clock in the morning you're gonna work your normal period of time which is normally till about four five in the afternoon and then on top of that you have a watch time frame in there too normally they're five hour long so if your watch is let's say between 17 and 22 which is 5 p.m to 10 at night you're going to work your normal work hours then you're going to scan your watch and then you're going to be able to go to sleep from that 10 till about 7 you got to wake up at 7 so you're going to wait sleep till like 6 i guess so it's a really on the go motion and in that entire uh process of it you're going to have to eat you're going to have to sleep you're going to have to work out you're going to have to do whatever you have to do to keep yourself motivated keep your morale up meet with friends, play video games, study, whatever you have to do. It's an, on, it's an ongoing process in general. Then there's a life where we call being in port. When you're in port and if you're an engineering rate like myself, you're gonna work a normal schedule from let's say around seven in the morning till about three in the afternoon. Normally those are normal days. When you work, then you get your days off or afternoons off normally when you go home. And then whenever you have duty, you're going to actually be on the ship for 24 hours. During that process, you can be on watch. You have to do everything your work schedule is permitting still and all that's still going on. Then there's another schedule, which we call the yard period. The yard period schedule is completely different. It's not even our schedule anymore. It's when contractors come on board, really, and they dictate our work time because they have to get certain things done at a certain time. They have to meet a criteria, criteria, do a checkpoint, et cetera, et cetera. So with all that being the case, we're going to come in around 7 in the morning, leave around 3. But during that process, if they need us to stay later, then we'll stay later. If we have inspections to do, we'll do inspections later at night or early in the morning, depending on all that. So it really just depends on all of that. 
for the military itself, it's an ongoing process. It's never stop and go. It's going to continuously keep going. And that's the craziest part about it. So Kev, just asking out of curiosity, how was it like making this shift right out of high school? Like, I mean, I hear you talking about the work demand and the behavior that you had to adjust to, but then even like outside of work, you know, adjusting to normal life, normal adulthood things like, like paying for bills or um, finding a new home or apartment to stay in. Like, how was that? Well, the transition isn't really easy. Uh, I spent most of my time when I was growing up taking the responsibility here and there to pay maybe one or two car insurance, one or two phone bills, gas all the time. It made it, I made it so when I grew up, money wasn't always an issue because I always created a savings for myself. Either if it was sticking money in the mattress or putting it in a bank or whatever the case may be at the time. I made sure I always had extra money just in case I wanted some candy, some toys, whatever I wanted to do. So whenever it became a big transaction for me moving out of my own parents' apartment or my own parents' house to go finding my own, to go living on the military base, stuff like that, it's a big transaction. Not many people realize that it takes money to actually live out in town. <laughs> and it takes money to actually just go buy a new car. A lot of people, whenever they join the military, they always think, oh man, I'm gonna go get the new Camaro or the new whatever sports car they can think of, Mustang, if they're really crazy, Corvettes or whatever the case may be. Oh man, those are expensive when you really, really see them. And when you actually start to transition and finally realizing what you're actually spending your money on day to day, if you're not prepared, you're going to hurt yourself. And one of the biggest things that a, one person taught me during this entire evolution was make sure you have money safe for yourself, your family and friends and create savings overall, like a TSP or something before you go spending money on something big, it's not worth it if you can't pay yourself first. And whenever you believe in religious wise, the first 10% always is very good if you can actually put it somewhere that's meant to be. And that's only if you believe in religious ideas. For me wise, whenever I was putting my 10%, putting myself first and all that, it really narrowed my actual spending costs, which helped me because I didn't leave myself with thousands of dollars in my checking account. Instead, I only narrowed it down to like $500. You think $500 isn't a lot of money, but when you live on a military base, you can eat food on the ship, stuff like that that's already being taken out of your paycheck. Why not? $500 will take you to the next paycheck already. And then from there, you just save it up, save it up, and boom, you already, you're able to go buy a full vehicle out of cash. You don't even have to take it out, take out a loan or anything like that. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're actually transitioning from living by yourself or living with parents, family, or whatever, to living by yourself. You, you're, you gotta create your own savings and financial problems and save them and correct them yourself. You know, 
one thing I think I would add to that, because I agree, it sounds like you have a great uh, discipline. Um, and I also like support the 10% spiritual beliefs. But one thing I would also add to that would, I would tell someone, especially coming right out of high school, to learn the art of saying no, saying no to not even just like family and friends. Cause a lot of times when you start a new career, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, you're big time now. Like, Hey, can I borrow like $10, $20? But you know, also saying no to yourself. Like, yes, as much as it is great to reward and treat yourself and you should, you're the one doing the work. Um, also to not go crazy because like you said, a lot of times people our age, especially we're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm working now. I'm making this money. Yes, I want the hottest car that's out there. Yes, I want, you know, this big fancy apartment loft or, you know, penthouse, like all these big imaginary things. And, um, and yes, you can go for those things, but also you have to live outside of that too. So, you know, just learning how to master the art of saying no and saying, okay, I'm going to give myself this much to spend for the month. And then I'm going to save this much, um, learning even to say to family, like, Hey, I, I don't have it this week. And, you know, or just cause for me, I don't always like to say, no, I'm such a nice person. And it just crushes me in, inside when I tell somebody, no, so I just put my phone on do not disturb or something, but you know, figuring out what that discipline is for you right now in this age, because then I feel like, as you said, you're saving, you're saving it's going to establish a good foundation for you later on. So right now you're in a stage where, um, you know, we're young, no spouses or kids or something like, so it establishes like right out of high school, I'm going to create this foundation of savings of money uh, to build upon, to build upon for yourself, your future legacy. Um, it's good to just start learning to be disciplined with yourself now because Definitely that's something you don't think about when you're young, when you're in high school. I've had, I've had so many people, they come out of boot camp, and when they ask for advice about what car they should go look at or where they should buy a car or this or that, we tell them the advices, and the biggest thing is they don't reciprocate the idea that maybe I should listen to the advice that I just received. And that's one of the biggest fault that a lot of the new generation is having. They believe that their mindset is correct. And one of the hardest things to convey is when you listen to someone that actually went through your steps prior to save you from trouble, you might want to just listen and maybe take it easy. And with that being the case, I've had, I had junior sailors suffer because of it. And then some junior sailors, they went and bought a whole new car with just cash. So it really just depends on who's trying to receive this message. Looking back, do you have any regrets about making this shift? Or are you grateful for it and the experiences you've had? And was it worth more than who and what you left behind? From life experience to my current relationship to friends to the motion of everything that has gone down. I don't think I would take back or ever reverse the roles of never doing it. 
because if I've never done it, I've never would have gotten the experience 12 different countries, realized that I found the person I wanna marry, realized that the people that are in my life are here because they wanna be at this point, that I could go as far as I am right now, but she get out the door. So with all that being the case, I don't think I'd ever regret it. I would ever try to redo it or pick any other path besides the one I'm living right now. Because I believe what it is meant to be what it is. And whenever I do everything that I do, it'll go the right way eventually. So I was saying, you know, with how much you've done in the last five and a half years, like you've been really successful in this career, which is amazing. You are now, what, E6? Um, so what does success look, for, look like for you in this role and in this career in general? I really don't know how to answer that. I won't lie to you. Success to me is, am I able to go to the next day without struggling or really struggling? And that's the biggest thing is, even if I'm an E6 right now, and even if I decide to get out in two years, which I might be or I might not be, if I am, I'm not going to stop at E6. I'm going to keep pushing. I might, be, I might even be able to uh, put on E7 before I even get out. If that's the case, I'm just going to keep doing it because one of the biggest things that I was taught by my, parent, my dad in specific is you never want to stop pushing yourself. If you stop pushing yourself today, then what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to be tomorrow? Because you stop in the middle of your life. You didn't stop at the end. You didn't stop at the beginning. You stopped at the middle. So with that being the case, I'm going to just keep pushing and I'm just going to keep excelling and try to do more than I ever could than today. That's the basic thing that I want to live and where I want to be next in the future is my best person. I ask every guest this for every episode what would be three tips or walk away pieces of advice that you would want a listener starting a new career right out of high school to get from hearing this podcast so my three tips for anyone watching is surround yourself with positive people that you want to see you in a successful position never get influenced by negativity be positive, be the vibe that you want everyone else to be. You want to be able to influence others, so make sure you have them to influence you too. Number two, regardless if you're coming into the military for free college, money, benefits, whatever you want to do it for, make sure you do it. Do your best and better yourself at every step of the way. You never want to be stagnant. You don't want to you don't want to be in a position where you're going to look back and you're going to regret that you didn't do this or that. do that. Number three, take it day by day. And remember, military is what you make it out to be. When I say that, you're going to find out the hard way by realizing that if you're the grumpy person with a negative attitude, negative vibe, everyone around you that works with you or for you, is going to do the exact same thing. So if you're positive, they're going to see it. If you come in with a smile, they're going to see it. If you're the one that is responsible, works hard, does everything that possibly can be done, you're going to be recognized. 
that's all to it. Those are my three good steps that I followed so far in my military career and in my life in general. So hopefully it helps you. Well, thank you, Kevin, for giving us tips on how to navigate through the shift of starting a new career from the perspective of someone who's right out of high school. That is all from me. I'm your host, Jay Camille. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.